Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. All right, family, let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. We never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. I also pray that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today they can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, family, I didn't, I didn't, I say didn't, past tense, have a Smith story for you, but I want to tell you something real quick. I don't know if I've ever told you this. Because I walked in and I saw that you guys had the pictures of me there, and one of those pictures are, you know, was from a time where I took Greta to dinner. There was this, there was this uh, kind of, upper scale steakhouse that she had wanted to go to. Wait, let me tell it. Let me, t- let me tell it. That's not the place we went to? No, that was for your birthday. That's not when it was. But it's about you, is what I'm saying. I, I didn't say it was your birthday. Never mind, I apologize. No, no apologies. I, I, no, this is, this is how we do. We don't, we don't get our feathers rougher. You and me been together down like full fat ties for a long time. We don't get upset about stuff like that. But I want to make sure I get the story straight. We were at the, at the restaurant, is that correct? That picture where I'm holding the cake with the candle. Yes, okay. And that was like a butter cake or something like that, right? Yes. Okay, so, and that was in Orlando. Yes, yes okay. Um, uh, I'm, I'm getting, in, I'm, in, I'm in the right, I'm good. Okay, I'm good. So, there's a picture there of me holding a little cake with a candle. And it was at a steakhouse. Okay, I just, I just want to make sure. Anyway, I, 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 during the meal, you know, I had, I had told Greta, I said, listen, as we tell, tell all the baby, get what you want. We're not worrying. Just get what you want. Doesn't worry about it. Now, that's an important statement. Right. Just get what you want. While we're having the meal, we're getting appetizers and stuff, and somebody else going to their table is this, like, a platter of, like, crab legs. So, number one, keep your eye on your own table. But anyway, here she, it's a platter of crab legs. And Greta, Greta says to the, to the waitress, she says, Ooh, I want, I want that. Lady didn't miss me. She's like, okay, fine. I'll put it on your, I'll put it on your thing, get it to your table. In Greta's mind, what she was thinking is from time to time when she goes to a steakhouse, they have the adder where you can add, you know, a cluster of crabs with your steak. So that's what she's thinking. But no, that's not what she just ordered. But we don't know that yet. The lady ultimately brings Greta what they had and on the table, it's a pretty good, you know, heaping pile of crab legs. And so I'm like, huh, that's interesting. That's a pretty big appetizer or adder. But I'm like, no big deal. <coughs> At the end, <coughs> I get the bill. And I'm like, wow, those crab legs are about $100. And so I, 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 I asked, excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> You know, we can pay, but you know, I need some, I, there's some explaining somebody needs to do here, right? I can't, I, I, ma'am, what, what is, you know, this? She says, oh, she ordered the crab clusters at market price. And I was like, oh, okay, thank you. So I looked at Greta, she smiled at me. <laughs> you said. <laughs> But that picture brought back so much memories. I had to, I had to tell you. That, I had to tell that story. Uh, anyway, love y'all. Let's. 
I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, I'm going to ask you a question as we get started. But we're going to do our Bible confession first. If you would, lift your Bibles up, no matter what form they take. And let's say this confession together. We always want to say this confession before we get into the Word of God. Let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Loved ones, the life of Moses has been kind of our anchor Bible reference for, for, for quite some time. Specifically, we have been focused on four chapters only. Keep in mind, that doesn't mean we haven't jumped out of the New into the New Testament and dabbled into some other places in the Old Testament. But for our anchor, we have been anchored on four chapters. Those chapters specifically are Exodus chapter 1, 2, 3, and chapter 4. And let me ask you something. For those of you who have been following, so for those of you who've, who've, you know, just pay that extra level of attention, how long has God been feeding us from those four chapters? Just take a guess, anybody. No guesses? How long? How long? Yeah, how long have we been talking about Moses and his burning bush? A couple months? Uh, let, me, let me go ahead and jump in there. Everybody's shy today. Let me tell you, it's May 1st. We begin with Moses stepping into our discussion May 1st. We, we admit there's been some things in between. There's been Father's Day and Mother's Day. and There have been times where people have taught besides me. But we're talking about around the neighborhood of four months, almost 120 days. I bring that up solely to share a lesson, not necessarily specific or identifiable to what we're talking about in this current session, but that's very integral to your life as a believer. People are often taught, or they somehow get in their minds the, the idea that in order to hear God through reading his word, that you have to read the whole Bible. That's not so. Let me give you a Smithism. When we're talking about the approach to study the Bible, notice this. The correct approach to studying the Bible is not to force yourself to read all the words on each page, but to get all of God out of each page you read. We're not, we're not talking about in order to hear from God, you got you to get in and you got to read the, the whole Bible. Now, I've taught that to you in various ways in the past here and at the other campus. I've said things like this. When you, when you go toward your Bible, your, your objective is, is a three-step. Number one, you want to read your Bible. You got to read. Number two, try your best to understand what's on, what's on the page. Don't think of it just from the now time, but try to put yourself in the position of the people back then. And number three, once you've done that, family, allow the Holy Spirit to lift you off the page. Notice what John wrote as he was closing out the book of John. This will, this, will, this will help us. Easy to read version, John 21, verse 25. There are many other things that Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I think the whole world would not be big enough for all the books that would be written. When I read that, I take that to say this that the Bible that you hold in your hand or have on your phone, however form you have it, the Bible contains a lot about who God is, how he thinks, what he can do. But don't you dare at any time even get yourself to even come close to believing that a book can contain all that God is. Mm -hmm. 
can't do it. God is so much bigger. His spirit is so much larger. His wisdom is so much greater than the book we have that's called the Bible. Now, am I even coming close to telling you that I think you don't need to read the whole Bible? Y'all know me better than that. You should read the Bible. As a matter of fact, you reading the whole Bible is easier than you think. It's not very difficult. It doesn't take a long time. It just takes a little commitment and dedication. Say this with me. Say, reading the Bible, reading the Bible is, not a race. is not a race. Now get this. With that statement hanging on the tip of your tongue, you just let it out your mouth, I want you to realize something. Reading the Bible is not a race. But if we were to think of it as a race, let me give you another Smithism. Notice. Family, if we want to consider the Bible reading as a race, reading the Bible is a race to get closer to God, not a race to finish the book. The whole purpose of you reading your Bible is to get nearer to him. You reading the whole Bible in, in six months and not retaining a flip-flopping thing of what you read does you no good. You reading the whole Bible in a year, but being farther away from God has done you no good. You reading one book of the Bible for six months, but you being closer to God than you've ever been before in your life, now you got some money to put in the bank. From time to time, you will notice that when we get in a certain portion of the Bible, I am in no rush to move you to the next book or, or into the, from the Old to the New Testament, or from the New Testament to the Old Testament. Why? Because when God is talking, if he want to talk about one verse and one chapter for six months, let him talk. It's not about moving on to the quote-unquote next thing until God says it's time to move. Because he can feed you every day off the same table. And you see him take the same ingredients and like your grandma, make a different meal. How grandma do that? I'm still trying to figure out how she can go in there with just salt and pepper and always pull something out of the refrigerator that I just looked in and have a meal different than what she cooked yesterday. God's like that. So remember, yeah, the Bible, we should read it. But it's, it's the objective of getting closer to God that we need to hold on to, not just trying to finish the book. Let's get back to our burning bush. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 in the voice. Now, one day when Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, he guided the flock far away from its usual pastures to the other side of the desert and came to the place known as Horeb, where the mountain of God stood. There, the special messenger of the eternal appeared to Moses in a fiery blaze from within the bush. Moses looked again at the bush as it blazed, but to his amazement, the bush did not burn up in flames. Moses says to himself, why is this bush not burning up? I need to move a little closer to get a better look at this amazing sight. When the Eternal One saw Moses approach the burning bush to observe it more closely, he called out to him from within the bush. God says, Moses, Moses. Moses says, I'm right here. God says, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals and stand barefoot on the ground in my presence, for this ground is holy ground. In the past, what we've said is, Moses looks at this bush, and this bush in his eyes is an amazing sight. That bush family is an amazing sight because of what's in it. God's in it. Likewise, you and I are amazing. Why? Because God is in you. God is in me. And the moment God came inside, the moment God began to reside on the inside, you and I received his spirit. And in receiving this spirit, we've said to ourselves, we ignited. When we ignited, we said, guess what? We are now recipients of what we're going to call the Holy Ghost fire. And that fire brings, burns hotter, it's more intense, it's brighter than any other fire that could come to consume us or, or try. And 
going a little farther into Daniel chapter 3, we kind of tipped a little bit beyond Exodus, and we said, you know, this Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story taught us something. It's taught us that when we have the God on the inside of us, when we go into situations, when circumstances come our way, guess what? The fire may be blazing that they set for us, but doggone it, we fireproof. With a small caveat that says, you might believe that you're fireproof, but if you really want to know if you're fireproof, if you really want to get the proof, that you're fireproof, baby, you got to go in the furnace. You only get the proof that you're fireproof that gets you to a point of conviction that no matter what I'm going through, God is going to be with me. You only get that proof if you go in the fire. Avoiding the fire will not get you the proof that you need to have a conviction that God is and God can. We've spent time talking about the fire that blazes in us. Now let's start talking about the fires that you and I can find ourselves in. Say this, say the fire on the outside. outside. Now when talking about the fire on the outside, what we're going to talk about is different levels of fire. And when I say different levels of fire, I'm talking about different intensities of fire or different levels of heat. If you were to do a study on fire levels or fire different levels of heat, you would quickly come up with this list. Notice. We're talking about levels of fire intensity or heat. There are four levels. There is low heat, moderate heat, high heat, and very high heat. I'm going to tell you, when I first saw this list pop up on the Internet, I got excited. You say, why did you get so excited? Because it's in plain words. I mean, it just says low heat. It just says like very high heat. When you look at very high heat, it doesn't say anything like, you know, uh, thermovolcanic magno, you know, caliente or whatever. It's not like some, it's not like some, you know, some weird word that in, term that includes the word califaction or something like that. But you know when they were putting this list together there was some smart person in the back of the room that said, I know you can call it. And somebody said, be quiet. We're going to use regular words, low heat, moderate heat, high heat, and very high heat. And I'm thankful to God that they did that. Now notice the grouping though. I've done something. I've taken high heat and very high heat and I've just grouped them. So we're just going to talk about high heat. Low heat, moderate, high heat, just those three. Just know when I'm talking about high heat, I'm kind of lumping those things, those things together. Because we're already talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I believe it's more appropriate that we stay on the topic of high heat because them boys got put in high heat. The Bible says that the king even heated the furnace up seven times more than it had been heated ever before. I say we can we can stay at high heat. So we're going to stay at high heat and we're going to work our way backwards through this list. Starting at high heat, our three Hebrew boys are in a situation where they are facing some high heat because they refuse to bow down to this golden golden idol. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, has made the decision that, okay, by my decree, you going in this furnace. Although the fire these guys are facing is very extreme and very real in the natural, the purpose behind the fire extends much deeper than the natural. The objective of the fire family is from the natural, but what it's doing is that natural fire is applying spiritual pressure. The objective of that fire on the outside is to apply spiritual pressure on the the inside and that situational heat, that situational high heat, 
it forces a response to a question that you and I have wrestled with from time to time. What is that question? Notice. That pressure on the outside, that heat on the outside, it forces a response to this. Do you stay true to the faith or do you turn your back and walk away? Now that do you there is kind of, it could, it could give you an idea that we're thinking conceptual if it happens to you. But we can replace that with words that mean now. Since you're in the high heat, question, are you going to stay true to the faith or are you going to turn your back and walk away? When you hear me talk about fire or heat, I want you to make that synonymous with spiritual pressure. You and I are likely never going to face a real, you know, fiery furnace situation in the natural. But you and I will face situations, high heat situations that challenge our faith. The topic of peer pressure is one that is very much in the category of high heat situations. Peer pressure. Across the globe, family. Colleges. Colleges across our country and in other countries. In those colleges, there are young men and young women mostly young men and young women, who do things to become a member of a fraternity or sorority that they usually wouldn't do. It's peer pressure. They, they take on the level of, the label of pledge. And what a pledge is, is someone who has been given the, the, the invitation to go through the initiation rites to be part of us. And everybody that wants to join a fraternity or sorority, everybody's not worldly, so to speak. A lot of good, solid Christian folk step up to be a pledge. And when they step up to be a pledge, what happens? They get hit with stuff that tests their faith. They get hit with Drink this, smoke this, take this, say this, do that, inflict pain on them. Hey, have sex with them. As they hear these things, there is something on the inside of them. Every fiber of their being is telling them, this goes against everything that I have been taught. But they soon find out that peer pressure is a very intense and persuasive force. Getting you to force your response to this question. Are you going to stay true to your faith? Or are you going to turn your back and walk away just to be plugged in with us? It's a high heat situation. And when you think about it, the, the activities that go on on those college campuses, they're similar to, to gang initiation. We can all admit that when we're talking about gang initiations that the envelope of what's criminal and the envelope of what could be a tragic occurrence, that envelope, it, it spreads out, it gets bigger. But I don't want you to think either that everybody that's part of a gang is a criminal at heart. There are people, I've known them, you've probably known them, probably got some in your family. I know I've had some in mine. There are people who are in that kind of activity, they go to church. They read their Bible. They believe in God. They, they, they believe they're children of God. But the situation of high heat 
to be a member of that gang is so intense that it causes them, it forces them to respond to that question. When we're talking about those college students, remember I mentioned a certain word, and we're going to take that word now. Let's, let's apply peer pressure to just that word. That word is three-letter word, sex. Sex. Talking about high-heat situations. I'm a parent. I know I've done it. I don't know a parent yet that I've talked to that has children that are becoming of that age, that are getting older, that are starting to do stuff by themselves, that that parent sits them down and tells them, don't you ever think that you can be in a situation where you with somebody that you're attractive to, attracted to and be alone and, and not have sex? Don't you think that you're big enough and you're strong enough to refrain from that peer pressure? Don't you think that, you know, you can be in a party or in a situation where everybody there is supposed to be down and down with having sex, knocking boots, bumping and grinding, whatever you want to call it. But everybody there is supposed to be down. Don't you think you can be in that situation? And just because you don't want to, that you won't end up doing something that you don't think you would, you would do. I haven't met a parent yet who hasn't had that appropriate conversation with their child. And you know what? Just like my children, your, your kids, like, just like, they just, just like kids, they look at you like you're crazy. And, and if, if they're bold enough, they'll even let things out of their mouth like, you don't know what you're talking about. You just, you know, you just, oh, Things different now. It ain't like it ain't like when you was growing up. You don't understand. You know how it is out there. They ain't even, they don't even got no job. You don't, you don't know how it is out there. You you don't know how it is out there. Let's start there. But they'll tell you you don't you don't know how it is out there. And, and what I have to go through. And you don't understand. And kids, they, they know more now than what you did. We, we more mature now. You idiot! <laughs> now, I don't say that, but I'm like, you idiot! <laughs> but I don't, I don't know a parent yet who, who hasn't had that child. And I'm not, I'm not talking about just high school. I'm talking about age-appropriate conversation with, based on, well, you know what I'm saying having that conversation. Don't you think, I don't even want you to assume that you can be in a situation where you attracted somebody and think you strong enough to handle it. And they, they just talking about what the parent don't know and what you don't understand. And odds are, nothing could be farther from the truth. You tell me what I don't know. Odds are that parent or those parents, but that parent is very well knowledgeable on high intensity fire associated with peer pressure. Some of those parents have fallen prey to peer pressure. They know what they did in that situation and they walked in the situation saying they would never do it. They know it. And that's why they're trying to tell you and you sitting there looking at them like they got three heads and they're trying to give you what they know because they fall and pray. Other parents know not because they were the prey, but they were the predator. I'm not telling you because I don't know. I'm telling you because I have purposely gotten what I wanted out of marks just like you. I don't know because I was the bottom of the food chain. I was on the top. I'm telling you what could happen. I'm telling you what high intensity peer pressure will do. Peer pressure is a high intensity, high heat situation.
and there's the son sitting there looking at his mother, mother trying to explain it to him, looking at her like she ain't making no sense. And all the while in her mind, she's thinking to herself, she might not tell him, but she's thinking to her, herself, boy, back in the day, me and my girls would use boys like you, like you was Tisha. <laughs> Just pull one out, use you, throw it away and pull another one. Tell her mama about what mama don't know. Mama used to have skills, boy. Take somebody like you to think you ain't gonna do nothing and just treat you like a rag doll. You don't even know it happened to three days later. Yeah, because you see her as mama. But back in the day, she had nicknames and stuff. That's right. Back in the day, she didn't have her hair like that. She had different stuff. She would dress a little bit. Had stuff with a little tighter. Had bangles on, necklaces. And she had a little twist when she walked back in the day. About to throw a hip out. She knew how to use what God gave her to get what she wanted. But you don't get that. Because mama, you, you just see her as mama. But what mama trying to tell you is I know. Because the mama you see also contains a woman you've never seen. I'm not telling you because I don't know. Daughter sitting there looking at the daddy. Daddy thinking the whole time, I'm trying to tell you, baby girl, baby girl ain't listening. All his mind, he said, back in the day, me and my fellas would take girls like you and you just be a game. Play the game, win the trophy, move on to the next game. You caught feelings, your business. Your fault. All I wanted, I already got. Guess what? I don't even remember your name. Peer pressure would get you to do something that you ordinarily would not do. It is high heat, high intensity, trying to move you to a position. It forces you to answer that question. Do you stay true to your faith? Or do you turn your back and walk away? I use the example of peer pressure because that's, it's universal. You and I both know that we sit here laughing and giggling and talking about young people. Older people, adults go through the same thing. Well, you know, he says that we're just going to go to California together and we're going to sleep in separate beds. You're going to be in the same room, but we're going to be in separate, we're going to be in separate, separate beds. Really? Well, you know, I'm not trying to tell you what to do as an adult, but let's try this. Let's try separate rooms first. I'm, I'm, listen, I know you're grown, but I'm trying to tell you that when he comes out of that shower with no shirt on, and he done threw on that cologne that you got him, and you just so happen to be watching the Netflix movie that you picked out so you know it's a chick flick, And you take out the Bluetooth speaker and put it up on the counter. And you start playing that music. Yeah. There's going to be some pressure. And don't you think for a minute that just because you are mature, that that high heat, high intensity situation will not cause you to do something. Now hear me how I say this clearly because if you do it willingly, you want to do it at the time, but cause you to do something that you probably shouldn't have done. And you said you would, you were not going to do. But a little touch here, a little feel here, a little snuggle here, a little kiss behind the ear. The next thing you know, you're looking at the sun. <laughs> and now, 
you're asking yourself, how did, I never planned on, but, and I know I say, I, I say that from a, a, a lady standpoint, God too. No, we're just going to go on a cruise. Yeah, we bought a, we got a room together. We got to, you know, we up on the balcony, so we're going to just be there, cruise seven days, you know. You know cruise mean bikinis and stuff. How you be on the cruise, everybody on the cruise, and you going to just happen, you just going to happen to be, yeah, we just going, you know, it's going to chill out. It's going to be me, you know. Come on, man, I'm a, I'm a grown man. I know what I can do. That's just, yes, okay. That's what I said, okay. I don't know why you just don't spend the extra $700 to get your own room at minimum. Not saying y'all can't cruise together. But the topic is universal. It's not just something that we should be telling young, young people. It's across the board. Peer pressure is a high heat, high, high intensity situation. And it's universal. We all can relate to it. That's why I bring it up. And those three Hebrew boys that we were talking about, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, guess what? They were in a peer pressure situation. Now, let's slow the story down, though, because what many can believe is that, doggone right, Pastor, they was in a high-pressure, peer pressure situation. They were standing before the king. I mean, that's like you standing before the president. And the president telling you to do something. I admit that there was a high pressure when they were standing before the king. But guess what? Them boys felt the pressure way before they got to the king. Way before they got to the king. Let me show you. Notice this. Daniel 3. Out of the voice translation of the Bible, Daniel 3, verses 4 through 7, the herald is shouting, meaning one of the king's messengers is shouting this, people of all nations and languages, by the order of the king, you are commanded to bow and worship the golden statue erected by King Nebuchadnezzar. Every time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, lute, harp, pipe, and all other musical instruments, anyone who does not obey the king's command and refuses to bow and worship will be taken immediately and thrown into a fiery a furnace of blazing fire. So on cue... The moment all the people in the crowd heard the sound of the musical instruments, horn, flute, lyre, lute, harp, pipe, and the rest, and all the rest, how many of the people? All. all of the people, regardless of their heritage, nationality, or language, bowed down and worshiped the golden statue erected by King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, take a good, hard look at that. And I want you to notice this. Family, that is high pressure for your behind right there. That is pressure to conform. Think about it. All people, all of them did it. All of them bowed, regardless of who they were, where they came from, or what they believed in. All of them bowed. I want you to imagine that you are in some kind of huge coliseum or a huge area and there's thousands of people and you there with two of your two of your friends or two of your cousins or two of your family members or whatever. And they say everybody got to bow. And on the count of three, one, two, three, three thousand nine hundred and ninety seven people bow and three still stand. That's y'all. And you looking around. And in a sea of people, the only people not bowing down is you. That's pressure. That's pressure to go ahead, if only for a minute, so nobody else know you ain't bowing, to go and bend your knee. That's pressure. And, you, you know, the Bible doesn't give us the specifics of the people and all that. For all I know, it was a 90-foot statue. There could have been buildings and people shopping. And when the music started, everybody just put down their grocery and, and just bowed. But it's still odd to see a whole city of people, a whole group of people bow down and here you go still standing. That's pressure. And these men were in the king's leadership. 
pressure. If anybody should be bowing down, they should, because you you part of my team. Let me tell you something else the Bible doesn't say, and I don't believe it says it. I've never, I've never read it. I'll go back after I say this now, and I'll go back and check. But the Bible never says it, but let me tell you what I believe. I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that in the crowd of all, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not the only Hebrews. If we were to put that in our today vernacular, we would say that every person that bowed the knee, some of them were Christian. In that crowd, some of them were Christian. And in thinking about that, let me bring your mind to ponder on something. Notice this. Family, what do you do when seemingly the whole world, including other believers, presses you to take a path or accept a position that you know goes against God's order? I'm not talking about the just unbelievers put pressure on you to go against God's order. What do you do when people who are supposed to believe like you push you to accept or push you to take a position that goes against God's order? What do you do when that type of high heat, high intensity, peer pressure situation come your way? What do you do? What do you do when the world says go along with it, but God says don't? What do you do when the world says agree to that, but God says don't? What do you do when the world says go ahead and do that, but God says don't? What do you do when God says don't you do that, but the world is saying, hey, I think that's just the way things should be. What do you do when the whole world, including people that you thought believed like you, put the pressure on you to go against God's order? Loved ones, what is your position when the rest of the world elects to bow to an idol? When the rest of the world looks at things different than the way God looks at them. And in a sea of people, people look around and doggone it, you the only one standing and everybody else is bowing. What do you do? If we were to put it to your point blank, peer pressure, High heat situations ask you one test question. Just one. What is that question? Is your faith for sale? When that pressure is on you, when the fire is on you, when the heat is on you, when you're in that high intensity situation, the whole question, if you were to boil it down and put it in regular speak, is, hey, is your faith for sale? Is there anything I can give you to buy your loyalty back from God? Is there anything I can agree that I can pass your way? Is there anything I can put before you that allows me to buy your faith? Is there anything I can do to get you to turn your back on your Jesus? Is there anything I can do to get you to kind of turn a deaf ear to the guidance of the Holy Spirit? Is there anything I can do to get you to turn your back on God? What about things I can do to get you to kind of take them Christian values that you have and kind of kind of put them under the rug, if only for a day or two? Is your faith for sale? Is there anything that I can do to get you to take your godly character and just lock it up in the cabinet for a little while while we agree to do something different? 
is your faith for sale? That's your test question. When everybody else is bowing to an idol, when the world is putting that pressure on you, when situations are putting your pressure on you, is your faith for sale? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego face this question. Notice their response. Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18 in the voice. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego talking to the king. Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to defend our actions in this matter. We are ready for the test. <laughs> if you throw us into the blazing furnace, then God, the God we serve is able to rescue us from a furnace of blazing fire and release us from your power, your majesty. But even if he does not, O king, you can be sure that we still will not serve your gods and we will not worship the golden statue you erected. When that test question came their way, their response is, King, our faith is not for sale. And family, that should be our response. When the fires of life come to test our position relative to our faith, our faith, whatever the situation is, our faith, the response to that situation should be our faith is not for sale. Say this with me. I know I have fire on the inside of me and the fire on the outside applies pressure on the inside. My response to the fire that asked the question, is my faith for sale is to respond? No. My faith, My faith is not, is not for, sale. for sale. Family, we're not done talking about this high heat, but that's a good spot to pause right now. Peer pressure. Selected solely because it's universal. We all know that there are so many other items that could cause high intensity pressure. You got marriages and relationships and you got financial. So there's all kind of things we could grab. But to keep it universal across the board where we didn't have to get so specific peer pressure. It fills that bill nicely. The bottom line is no matter what the high intensity situation is, no matter the high heat, the response I want us all to have is our faith is not for sale. But we're going to pick up right there next time. I love you so much. Let's pray. God, I thank you that each and every one of us, God, we love you. We may not always be exactly how we had hoped to be, but I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for allowing us, yeah, to come boldly before the throne of grace. When we need you, we know you're there. My prayer is any situation that we face that come to test our faith, that each and every one of us has the courage and the boldness to hold on to who we are. God, we know the whole purpose of the fire on the outside is to come and try to 
move us off of what we say we believe. The pressure from the outside, that fire that's on the outside, that's, a putting, that's applying pressure on the inside, it's coming to try to move us off of in whom we say we believe. But right now we decree that we are going to be those people who take the position that we're going to stand firm in our faith. No matter the situation, no matter the circumstance. God, we're going to stay true to you. And I thank you for helping us with that courage and filling our heart with confidence. We can do this. No matter what's happened in the past, no matter if we've, if in the, on the inside we feel as if we've stumbled in the past in that regard, we're going to move forward. And it's a new day. It's a new day, God, and we are standing. We're standing with you. No longer will our faith, will our, will our faith be for sale. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.